Hi, everybody. Carl Diffenderfer here. Today, we're going to have a little bit of a podcast where we talk about the seven ways to look at our cash flow in our business. And I've invited a special guest to be with us today. His name is Dave Ashworth. So everybody, this is Dave. Uh, longtime friend, uh, at least for at least a COVID friend. How about we say it that That's way? Right. Him and I have met numerous times. We don't live too far from each other. He's actually moving up closer to me. I think he he wanted to spend some more time with me. I don't <laughs> I don't know. Probably it. Probably yeah. But what we're we're here to talk about something today, Dave. Why don't you share your topic and share a little bit about yourself, and then we'll dive in. Yeah. So my my name is Dave Ashworth. I run an outsourced accounting business called the Quantify Group been in business for a little over 10 years now. The topic for today is ways to improve your cash flow. You know, for any business, if you're in business, it's important to understand your cash flow. Uh, and there's a lot of things that you can do, pretty easy things that you can do that get overlooked a lot to improve that. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So Dave, why why would a business owner care about their cash flow? I know that's a yeah. silly question to ask, but it's a very important question to ask. It is. Uh, on its, its most simple level, cash flow is the amount of money coming in versus the amount going out. Mm -hmm. And if you have more going out than you have coming in for a period of time, you're going to be in trouble, most likely. Eventually, you're going to just lose enough money where you can't can't stay in business. Again, there's some caveats to that if you have outside funding or if you have a loan, things that could fund some of that cash flow negative, you could be okay for a period of time. But in general, if more is going out than coming in, that is not a good place to be for a, for a period of time. So when you go in to meet with a business owner, how often do you find that they, A, don't even know where their cash flow is at, and B, they're actually cash flow negative and they don't even know it? I think more so what I see is people don't know. They don't know. Um, okay. I think they just don't have an understanding of that. And then it just depends on the business. Some don't know, but they're doing very well from a cash flow standpoint, which is great, but it doesn't mean that they can't be doing even better. So I think it's important to understand that whether you're struggling with it or you're doing really well, you still need to know and you can always improve. Yeah. Okay. So why don't you, you have seven different topics to share today or seven different yep. keys. Um, let's start off with the first one and uh, go ahead and share it and share a little bit about what that means. And then I'm going to ask some yeah. questions about it. Perfect. So the first one is pretty simple, but it's understanding your bank balance versus your true cash balance. And so what do I mean by that? So what a lot of people will do is if they're running a business is they'll, if they have a payment due or a bill due, they'll log into their bank, they'll see how much cash is in there, uh, and then they'll go off of that. Well, the problem is that's what their bank is saying, but that might not be the true balance of cash that they have. So a perfect example is let's say I log into my bank account and it says $100. Well, earlier that day, I wrote a check to somebody for $25, but it hasn't been cashed yet. So that's not going to show in that hundred anywhere. All I'm going to see is I have a hundred dollars. And in reality, I only have 75. And so you need to understand the difference between those two, uh, how to track those in order to make the proper decisions. And the easiest way to do that is just doing a bank reconciliation. So you're tracking some of those things that are, um, you know, maybe they're in transit or other things that you need to keep track of and account for to get to a true cash balance and see how much much cash you actually have. But you need to know the difference, why it's important and how to get to how to reconcile the difference between those two. Yeah. And when you get into a larger business, though, that changes, that shifts. So what are some of the uh, variables a larger business owner would need to look at as they're identifying their bank versus cash balance? Yeah. So there can be one, it's just going to be inflated even more because there's just bigger numbers on the line. 
So there's a lot more expenses happening. There's a lot bigger numbers happening. That one is the one, one of the biggest ones. I think you could also have like, you're then starting to deal with like credit cards and loans and other things that are included payments that are coming up do at any level, you need to understand this. It just becomes even more complicated as you, as you become a bigger business. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And then once you get to that spot where you have things reconciled, is that the number you should go off of then as you make financial decisions or are there other factors you should take into consideration? I mean, there's always other things to take into consideration. Um, you know, it, it's important to know where you're at today. Like what, how much cash do you actually have? But you also, and we'll get into some of that as we kind of move through the list, but you also should be looking ahead as well. You should be looking yeah. forward. Yeah. What expenses are coming? What revenue do I have coming in? Because I might have $100 today, but maybe tomorrow I know that somebody's going to pay me $200. Or maybe tomorrow I know that I have to pay this bill that's $150, right? So my cash has 100 today, but that might not be what I have within 24 hours. So it's important not to just look at today, to also to look ahead a little bit because it can change very quickly. Number two, we have, I'm going to share it this time. It's accounts receivable yeah. versus collections or slash collections. Talk yep. a little bit about the accounts receivable. This is a good one because I, yeah. I can't say how many business owners I run into that really don't manage this well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, so. this one has been a little bit surprising to me over the years. You know, a lot of people in business feel like they complete the job and then the billing can kind of be secondary. It's like, oh, I completed this job. I'll get the bill out to them. Uh, when I can, or when I feel like it, or when I have time. And to me, that's just the completely wrong approach. Like completing the job is the first step. And the second step to need, that needs to follow immediately after is getting the bill out into your client's hands. Because that receivable is money that you're owed. And the longer that it takes for them to get a bill, the longer it's going to take for you to get money into your pocket. And so I think it's a mindset shift a little bit that business owners need to have. They need to correlate finishing a job and getting a bill and put those two things together all the time. You know, I'll just speak for us in our business. We've taken it a step further and some businesses can do this, some can't, but we actually bill ahead. So we bill on the first of the month for the work to be done in that upcoming month. That eliminates all our accounts receivable for our entire business, which is, you know, if you could do that, that's great. Again, not every business can, you know, has the ability to do that. But the longer that the cash is in their hands, the people that owe you money, the shorter it's in yours. And that causes cash flow issues. So, yeah. And also like I, my experience has been the longer you wait to get an invoice to somebody, it's almost like they view that as you don't care as much. And so then they take longer to pay you as well. Yep. Have you seen that to be true? A hundred percent. And it's like a psychological thing too. Uh, It's like they completed the job. If I take five days to send you an invoice, then they feel like they have more time to pay you, right? If I finish the job and I send you an invoice, I hand it to you as soon as I finish that job, then there's a sense of urgency there that, that this needs to get paid and this needs to get paid on time. And it's important to get that money, to get the money that you are owed as quickly as you can. Yeah. And as a side note, everybody, one of the other things you need to do, make sure you do is that you have clearly defined payment schedules up front. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing 10, 30, whatever your percentages are, make sure you educate the client in the beginning as to how that's going to work yep. so that there's no surprises. And then also with that, with your contracts, make sure, I was just talking to a guy earlier today that Um, was talking about somebody that he had to do a service for him. And at the end, they changed the price. They didn't tell him Mm. they were going to. They just changed the price. 
So make sure you're actually real with your pricing. This is what it's going to cost. And if it's going to be different, go talk to the client far as soon as you can, as opposed yeah. to later in the game. If you send yeah. a, an invoice that's higher, it was surprise, you know, it's a surprise for the client and you're going to get bad feedback, guarantee it. Yeah. So I have a funny story for you around that. Yeah. Um, okay. So I was, uh, um, we were talking before, um, my wife and I are building a house and we had to have an engineer go out to just do a little bit of survey work. And he told me it's going to be $500, $750 to do the job. I said, fine. He goes out, does some work, doesn't really say much. And then I get a bill in the mail for $1,400. Uh, and didn't he didn't say a word to me. Uh, well, obviously, I wasn't happy about that. And I yep. called him and I said, listen, like, if you took extra time, like, I'm not questioning the hours that you put in. I'm not questioning what is going on here. But you needed to communicate to me that your bill is going to be double than what we talked about. And that's exactly what you're talking about. That communication. If he had just called me and said, hey, I... Uh, we're running into this issue. It's taking more time. My bill is probably going to be closer to this. I would have said, fine. Like I wouldn't have had an issue with it. Like I know yep. you're not trying to cheat me out of anything, but the lack of communication. And then, so I said, look, I, you need to hold back to your word. You need to discount this bill. He did end up discounting it down, which is what I felt like he should do. Um, but that yep. cost him money by a simple lack of communication. So I think that's a really strong point that you make there. And uh, he, you also now have a flavor in your mouth. I don't know that I want to work with this guy again. So he he hurt himself not just in the current, but also in the future, I would assume. I mean, that's the way I am. So um, to, yeah. again, to continue my example, backing up what you're saying, my builder came to me and said, hey, we need an engineer to do some more survey work on the site. Yeah. He said, yep. do you know anyone? I said, I do know someone, but I don't want to work with him. If you have someone, yeah. we'll work with them. Perfect example. It cost yep. him money on the job and it cost him a lot of future income in his business by yep. not just picking up the phone and having a phone call. You know, I know a really good coach that would love to work with him if you want to introduce me. So I'll do that. I'll do that. <laughs> um, but I did have a list here and then and we yeah. can kind of maybe talk about some of these, but I'll just run through it quick of ways that you can speed up your accounts receivable. Okay. Um, good. Because it is important from a cash flow standpoint that the quicker you collect your money, the better your cash flow is naturally. Yep. If it takes me yep. 30 days to collect it versus five, I want to collect it in five. That helps my cash flow. So here's a well, couple also, things. Before you do that, can I just, just, I want to paint a picture here for everybody. If you have money and yeah, well, if you had a stack of money, would you just let it lay on the floor next to your desk? No, you wouldn't. And do banks just sit on your money and not do anything with it? No, they don't. But ultimately, you not invoicing your customer is you being the bank for them with no return on investment. You're you're not, not they're not paying you. I mean, you can charge them, you know, late fees and stuff like that. But I think legally you're only allowed to charge 18% per year, which comes out to one and a half percent a month. So it's really not a lot of money. You can make better money right. putting in a savings account somewhere. So don't be the bank for your customer. And if you are having that problem, start to put some procedures and policies in place. And some accountability up front of what the expectations are for that. So, right. yes, right. continue on, Dave. Yeah, so here's a couple just ways that, that we've found and seen over the years to help with this. So the first is invoicing quickly, which we talked about. As soon mm -hmm. as you're done a job, get invoice out. If you can do it up front, do that. Uh, the second is make sure your invoices are clear and easy to understand. I, I know for me personally, I've gotten invoices before that I look at it. I don't really understand what's going on. I can't figure it out. So what do I do with it? Put it on the side of my desk. I'll figure it out another day. That's adding days to for them to collect that money. 
The next one is simplifying your payment process. Make it easy as possible for the someone to pay you money. Uh, I know for me, if I have to sit down and write out a check to somebody and put it in an envelope and drop it in a mailbox, that I'm going to be a lot more, a lot slower to pay than if I can log into a website, type in my credit card and click pay. Uh, yep. So simplify your payment process. This is just a basic one. This is just good business, but have good relationships with your clients. Have good communication. You know, if if Carl and I are, are good friends and we're in business together, there's a lot better chance that he's going to want to pay me for my services because we have a good relationship. So that's just a general, that's good for any business, but uh, that does help with your, your collections at times. Creating a flow to send payment reminders. So maybe, you know, after the first day, you send an email. After three days, you send another email. After a week, you have a call. Create a system around what that looks like. So you're always following up and staying on top of people. You know, following up with delinquent accounts. If you have to use a collection agency, you know, there's there's options out there. But make sure that you're staying on top of the ones that haven't paid. And then, you know, if you have a longtime client and maybe they're not paying you, talk to them about a payment plan or something that can help get you some money in the door because them not paying is not helping you at all. If they pay a little bit at a time, that's better than zero. So that's just a quick list of, you know, if you start to implement all of these things together, your receivable collections will be in a lot better position. Yeah. And on that, you know, I think as a business owner, my challenge to you today is don't be afraid to dive into these things. Sometimes business owners are too nice. They, they're afraid of upsetting their customers. So they don't call and they don't call. You need to have these bold conversations with your customers and say, hey, you know, I noticed you didn't pay. You know, what's what's going on? How can I help you? Make it be about them. And and it's okay. Like, don't be upset with them. By the way, don't burn bridges. Just, just be real with them. Don't burn the bridge and talk to them and see what happens. It, it, I guarantee you it will go well. And if it, it doesn't, by the way, you don't want them as your client anyway. So 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah. They're a good client. And again, it goes back to that relationship. You should be able to have these conversations. They know that they owe you money. They probably yeah. want to pay you. You need to have a conversation with them. It starts there. That's very good. Let's keep moving through this just for the sake of everybody else here. I know you guys are probably taking a lunch break right now watching us. So next on our list is the, is it number three? Is that where we're at? Number three. Yep. Three. Okay. Go ahead, Dave. Share it with us. So on that, this is on the flip side. So this is tracking your accounts payable. Uh, mm -hmm. So one thing that you should know at any moment is who you owe, how much you owe them and when it's due you need to be able to look ahead and say, okay, I have this payment coming up. It's due then. I need to make sure I have enough money then. And so you should always have, be able to have an account payable schedule at the ready at all times for those three things that I said. Once you have that, now you can start looking at how your processes around paying, how you're making payments, when you're making payments. You can also then start to look at, do you have late charges? Do you, are you have instances where potentially you're double paying that happens or, or missing payments. So you need to start to look at those things because, you know, unless you just flat out don't have the money, which is a total another issue, you shouldn't be missing payments. You shouldn't have late charges. And then if you do, again, now you're on the flip side, call that vendor and say, hey, I'm struggling to make this. Can we work, work this out? That's something that you need to do. Again, that was kind of my next note is potential payment plans, but create a relationship with your vendors so that they yep. can see you as a person and work with you. 
And then the last one is there's some uh, solutions out there that can help kind of organize this. One that we like is called bill.com. There's, there's a bunch of them out there. That just kind of pulls in all of your payables into a nice list when they're due. You can click approve and then they, they send out the payments for you. So something like that can keep you really organized. Those are just a couple things around the payable. You know, it's not just about in, right? It's about money going out and the processes around that that are also important for your cash flow. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna add to this for a second, Dave, just because mm-hmm. you know I we, many of you know I own a tiny home company, and so one of the things that we've had to do is we've had to track our bills, but then also track the materials inside of those bills to specific customer projects, mm-hmm. because at the end we need to be able to assess the profitability of each project, yeah. and but unfortunately some of the vendors that we use are handwritten, no, no, no lie, mm-hmm. handwritten, you know, sales receipts. And so like, then we have 10 items on the sales receipt and we have to pull, okay, these three go to this customer and it's a pain in the neck, but at the end of the day, I, we need the numbers. Uh, so as right. you're entering your bills, decide, okay, how do these bills actually fit into my KPIs and my business and my metrics? That's something we probably can talk about in the future, Dave, but for sure, for sure. Yeah. That's uh, your bills are more important than you think. They are. They are. Yeah. I mean, if you get to a point where you owe too much money that you can't pay, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're going bankrupt basically. So to to stress the importance of your payables, understanding them and having the funds to take care of them, just can't stress that. Can't stress that enough. Although I will say sometimes a business goes through massive growth and so they'll feel like they're behind but it's actually their growth, their profitability, their growth, their cash flow hasn't caught up with their their growth. So correct, yeah. You that. need to, yeah. Again, I kind of said at the beginning there is a caveat to that, right? There's yeah. seasons of life and businesses. We've had that in our business where our cash flow on a monthly basis was negative, but we knew it was negative. That's yeah. that's yeah. the difference. Yeah. Yeah. We were following it. We had a plan. Okay, it's going to be negative, but but as we come out of the season, it's going to be way more positive. Because of what we were trying to do, we had cash saved up, we had a line of credit, we had things that we could utilize. But when it's going negative and you don't have a plan, that's when you can get into trouble. So yeah, it's It's not a hard and fast rule. You have to be positive. It's not that. But the understanding of it all is is really the key. Very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now let's go to the next one. What's the next one? Yeah. So the next one is, and we've kind of touched on it on these couple ones, but cash flow projections. So kind of looking ahead. A lot of times we recommend for just straight cash flow, 12 week projection is what we look at. And we look at it on a weekly basis. The idea behind that is that there's different seasons and, and there's some, some cycles in a business. And so you need to be looking ahead. An example is let's say that This week, I have a bunch of people that are paying me. So I I have a bunch of money in my bank account. I feel like I have all this extra money and now I want to go out and spend on marketing or or something else to to help push the growth. But then next week, I have a bunch of my big bills coming due or maybe three weeks from now, a bunch of my big bills coming due. Well, I need to allocate some of that cash from this week to those coming weeks or else I'm going to spend it all. And then those weeks, now I'm going to be way negative and now I'm in a really bad place. Yeah. And yeah. so projecting yeah. out at least 12 weeks, some businesses will do like a 12 week and then we'll do like a, a year projection because some businesses have huge swings. They'll have, you know, the fall, they make a ton of money. The winter, they're really slow. So sometimes we'll do month over month for a year so that they can plan ahead as well. But you need to really start looking ahead at your cash position and you're tracking it down to your cash balance 
to make sure that through all of those months that it's remaining positive again mm -hmm. in general so that you have enough cash to continue to run the business. And then also with cash flow, one of the things that I look at is you you can look at how much work you're going to get done and base that then if depending on the type of business you're in, you can base your pro production on what cash flow is going to come in from that. And that helps you then gauge the counterbalance of how that affects your overhead. I know I'm going a little deeper here on no, that's good. finances, but I think it's really important to know to shrink, basically, ultimately, you want to shrink your overhead cost by increasing right. your production right. profitability. For um, sure. And so I'm, I'm thinking in tiny home right now, but this yeah. applies to any business. For sure. Whether you're service or product based. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And every yeah. business has its own nuance. So like our, I'll speak for our business. We have a very consistent cash flow because we, we run on a basically a, a subscription type model. Yeah. Uh, some businesses are very cyclical where it's up and down. And so every business is going to look a little bit different in how they do things, how their how their you know cash goes out and comes in. But the, these principles apply to any business. They just may look slightly different, but every business should be looking at these things, understanding and applying these. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the next one. The next one is pretty simple, but it can it can be a big deal. So and I just the note I wrote is just identifying and not overlooking small cash flow issues. So okay. very simple things. So let's say that my account's receivable, I'm looking to collect it in 10 days. And most of the time it's 12 to 15 days. seems like a very small issue. So I push it to the side. I have a couple late fees in my bank because I, I don't have the right balance. A little, little fees here and there, push it to the side. Maybe there's a couple small clients that aren't paying their bills on time and they're way behind. Ah, it's not that much money. I push it to the side. Well, all of these things add up, oh, right? Yeah. And now to now I have a now I don't have these individual issues are small, but now I have a big cash flow issue in my business. And so you need to not overlook these small issues because it, together they are a big cash flow issue for your business as a whole. So again, it's a very simple thing, but I see it get looked over all, way too often. And so if you have a little issue, even if it's one thing, address it and fix it. Because as these add up, they can become a really big issue. Yeah, I had a client once uh, that we were, we were looking at his P&L, which by the way, business owners, I feel like you should look at your P&L at least monthly, if not more frequently. And um, you know, I was talking to a guy oh, about a month ago. He He's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And his number one piece of advice was to look at your numbers every day. I was like, yeah. wow. I, I I do at least weekly, but anyway, I had this client and they was looking at their PL and I saw this in the bank overdraft category. There was a substantial sum of money in there. Mm -hmm. I think Dave, mm -hmm. I might have even told you about this and looked at it and I was like, oh my word. So this client had so much cash flow issues. And by the way, it's a multi-million dollar company. So yeah. I'm not talking about a small company. Sure. They had they had sixteen thousand dollars worth of overdraft fees for that year. Yeah. $16,000. And uh, so, you know, we immediately started to look at, okay, how do we keep this from happening? Right. And it was right. merely just, they did, they weren't keeping enough buffer in their account to take care right. of those moments. Right. Um, and then a company of that size, you know, they may look at that. You're talking a little over a thousand dollars a month, $1,200, whatever it is. They might just say, you know, I'm making a million dollars, you know, $5 million a year. I don't care about $1,200 a month. Right but it's 16,000 here, it's 7,000 here, it's this here. And then all of a sudden, all of these things are adding up to a full-time employee salary. 
That's a big or, thing. Or the net profit that you can put in your pocket. Um, that's right. Or you're, or that? just going to yourself, right? Yeah. That's yeah. right. You know, it could be doubling your salary with all of yeah. these all of yeah. these things, but they get overlooked because by themselves are very quote unquote small. Do you have in your list here at all, and maybe I'm jumping ahead, but do sure. you have anything to talk about making sure that they have a budget in place? Do you recommend that? We don't. I don't have that in this list. Okay. That that to me is kind of a separate topic of the whole budgeting thing, okay. where, you know, because I with cash flow, we typically talk about a projection. But okay. yes, I, I 100% recommend a budget. That is one of the best ways to identify issues, control some spending where yeah. you're looking at things consistently. Having a budget is a big deal. To me, the best thing about a budget is if you're looking at it, let's say monthly, comparing budget to actual, it helps you identify issues and then you ask the why question. Okay, we were supposed to spend 5000 on marketing. We spent ten. Why is that? There may be an answer for that. It may be fine, but it immediately points out issues and red flags very, very easily. So yes, I recommend a budget, not necessarily related to cash flow per se. It is, but it's not. Um, but but the answer is yes. Yeah. So I'm going to share, I'm going to get us off on a tangent here for a moment. Sure. I think you'll agree with this. I, as I've studied businesses, uh, a lot of business owners will say, okay, how do I grow my business? What do I need to do? I, when I first started in business, my main focus was increasing my sales. And my business coach at the time said to me, he's like, Carl, why don't you focus on profitability instead? So I've come up with three things that need to, that you can do to increase the profitability of your business. Number one, obviously increase your sales or your revenue. Mm-hmm. Number two, decrease expenses. You can only decrease expenses if you actually keep track of, okay, what's actually going in and out. And then uh, the third is to increase productivity, meaning mm-hmm. the efficiency of your team. And if you focus on those three things, you will do great in your growth. Uh, if you're in growth phase in your business, uh, not every business yeah. should be in growth phase, but yeah, do you agree with those? Would you add any? Uh, I don't think I would add any, you know, I had just to kind of reiterate the one point about sales. I do think that as like a small business entrepreneur, entrepreneurial community, I think we do a pretty poor job at just pointing to sales as the important number and not the profit. Mm-hmm. Um, I see too many businesses that are big sales wise, yep. but they don't have any profit. Yep. And I see some smaller businesses that their sales are a quarter of that, but they're way more profitable. And I would take that business 10 out of 10. I, I had a friend who built up a, an IT company. He, but he, I think he built it up to like a hundred million or something. So big company. And he was just going and going and he decided, he's like, I, my profit is, is less than when I was smaller. He scaled it back down to like 10 or 20. So he cut it in by a fifth, I think, or maybe even less. And he was making way more profit. And hmm. so that is just a per- perfect example of, you know, we need to focus on profitability even more so than the top line sales because but, but again, as, a, as just a community, I think that we look at sales too much and place too much emphasis on that. Obviously, it's important. I'm not saying don't sell anything, but that's right. not the end all be all. Obviously. No. no, and uh, a prime example, if you do the math on this, and this is a real live story, somebody went from, uh, I think they're about 15% profitability to 45% profitability. At the 15%, I think they did about a half a million dollars. So that's uh, what that's... Uh, $75,000 in profit mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. But if the next year they did 350,000, but they had 44, 44% profitability, well, they actually yeah. put more money in their pocket and did less revenue. They had less headache. 
Um, less right. employees, like their overhead was less. Everything was less, but they still put more money in their pocket. Yep. Um, case yep. in point. Yeah. Case, yeah. And I think it's important just to define what what your goal is too, you know, as a business owner, if your goal is to build up something big that maybe has more corporate value that you could exit and you're okay, maybe taking less profit for a period of time, maybe you're investing in more marketing or you're investing in more people and processes, technology to get to a certain point, that's okay. But if you just are doing it just to do it and you're saying, okay, if I get to this much sales and I'll be in better position just because I'm bigger, I think that's a little bit short-sighted. I agree. All right. What's next on the list? All right. So the next is when, when you're looking at your your cash flow projections, mm-hmm. um, don't be sure not to project your revenue too high. Um, so I want to preface this by saying, you know, you need to set lofty goals. I, I do that. I set big goals for what I want to achieve and what I want to accomplish. But when I'm looking at cash flow, what I where I see people run into an issue is, you know, they think, okay, well, I'm doing ten thousand, you know, a month for this month, next month, I'll do 20. The next month I'll do 50. Right. And there's no track record to show that you've ever done that before. Now you're relying on this cash flow that's coming in. You're spending yeah. on this future cash flow that you think is going to come in yep. and it doesn't actually happen. And now you're in a really bad position. So my yep. biggest goal, my biggest thing with dealing with cash flow is be realistic, be a little bit conservative. Um, so you put yourself in a good position and then kind of separately, if you can, set high goals and go after big things. But from a cash flow standpoint, you can get yourself into trouble pretty quick by projecting too high. I, I've seen many businesses do that. That's a good one. And the final one then? Yeah, the final one, again, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but understanding your revenue cycle. So some businesses like ours are very consistent throughout the year. Yep. Some, they'll, they'll have certain seasons, let's say summer and you know, spring and summer. So when they make all their money, let's say like a landscaping business, and then in the winter, it really slows down. So what, what you need to do in that business is understand that during those good months, you're going to feel like you're on top of the world. You have all this cash, but no, come in the, in the winter time, things are going to slow down. You're going to need to save some of that money to maintain for that time. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you'll pick it back up in the next year. So understand your cycle and plan for it. And the, the best way to do this is just to keep keep good numbers, keep your books well, and then you can look back month over month and you can see, you'll see trends, you'll see what's happening in your business. Obviously, you can, most business owners can know, you know, in general off the top of their head, okay, these, this is when I do well, but let the numbers encourage you, let the numbers speak for themselves. Use your P&L, use the month over month P&L, look at it historically, see where those things are happening, and then use that to plan. Yeah, it comes back to really in your business and uh, Dave or I both can help you with this. In your business, you need to have anywhere from five to, I'm going to say three to seven key numbers that you watch that give you a pulse on how things are going on any of these different parts of your business. And I'm not just talking about like financial numbers. You could also be looking at customer satisfaction numbers. You could be looking at Mm -hmm. uh, employee engagement numbers. You could be looking at, I'm trying to think, uh, there could be marketing numbers in there, sales numbers. It's not just always, especially financial. And uh, so you need to create what I call a scorecard. And the scorecard needs to be numbers that you look at weekly. I do it in my businesses. It's very valuable because you can actually begin to see the the ups and downs. And uh, I'm sure you're all over that and like yeah for sure yeah it's very easy to it's 
very easy to just go, you know, go off of your gut. Why well, I feel like in the summer things slow down and then whatever the case might be, but track these numbers and you let the, I can't stress this enough. Let the numbers tell you the story because they will, they'll tell you what's going on. Yep. And then you use that, those trends to then plan your cash flow. If exactly. you do that, like just that is that simple thing, you'll be in a, a much better position. Yeah, that's good. Okay, well, I think we're at the end of your list, right? That's it. That's it. And any closing thoughts? I would say the biggest thing, just the theme of what we're talking about here is just have an understanding of your numbers. As entrepreneurs, we all have a high level of intuition and we use our gut a lot. And there's something to be said for that. And I think that there's a lot of good things that can come from that too. But your numbers don't lie. Like they tell the story of your business. Yeah. Track them, keep good track, look at them often and let them kind of push some things out. And then there's always going to be instances where you need to use use your gut to make decisions. But mm -hmm. if you base a lot of that on the numbers and where what they're telling you to do, I just feel like businesses would be in a lot, lot better position. Yeah. And on that note, I'm going to add to that just because I feel like if your goal is to be a business owner, which by the way, a business owner has a very specific mindset. The business owner mindset is I'm going to grow a business that has the team of people that does the majority of the work. I'm going to help do the work, but I'm depending on people to help do this work. It's not just me. I'm not a right. solopreneur. And uh, so these people are going to help do this work. And that is going to create a business that really runs fluidly for me and creates yeah. freedom for me in my life. That's the business owner mindset. If you have, if you want to have that mindset, you have to track your numbers. In other words, if you want to be a business owner and you want to be serious about it, do the serious things and and do it with excellence. I, for the longest time, we I, early on in my one of my first businesses, we had cash flow problems, and I was like, why? Well, it came it came to the fact that I wasn't getting the invoices out fast enough. That was the that was the bottleneck right there. Yeah. And yet, I hated doing invoices like this. Oh. And so, you know, do, do the things you hate doing. Push through them. And, and you'll become a better person for it. All right. So let, let's wrap this up. But so I want to yep. wrap this up by saying just Dave is here as a, a resource to all of my connections out there and obviously all of his connections as well. And uh, him and I are like kind of cross compatible with what we do in the sense that, you know, he's going in and he's working in the, in the deep dive of the numbers. I might be looking at some high level numbers and helping you with like those KPIs or those types of things. But we're very synergistic together with yeah. each other. And so if you get stuck on your numbers, if you're like, man, how do I find this number? What do I, how do I get into this? Reach out to either of us. We'd be happy to help you. Yeah. And um, we're here to help all the business owners that we can become more successful. And so please take advantage of that. We want you guys to, to reach out. Dave, how can people reach out to you? What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. So you can look me up on LinkedIn. Um, our website is thequantifygroup.com. So either one of those avenues you know, is, is an easy way to get in touch. Okay, good. And uh, for me, obviously, higherimpact.me is our website. And uh, you can feel free to reach out through there. Um, and then also there's contact information on the website. You can reach out that way and LinkedIn as well. Facebook, you name it. We're, we're out there. So, okay, great. I, Dave, I really appreciate you being here. This was awesome. I feel like we could have like a whole bunch of sub conversations out of all of this, but yeah, there was, there was a lot there that we could have really, really taken a deep dive into, but yeah, this was fun. I, uh, I'm pretty passionate about 
helping business owners understand this side of it. I see a lot of businesses fail every year, not because they're not good at what they do, but because they simply don't understand the financial side of it and how to make good decisions. And uh, I feel like that is what I've been called to do is to help people understand that side of things. And so I love having these conversations and trying to uh, provide some good education around this. Great. Well, Dave, thanks for being here today. Um, and I'm sure we'll see you again in the future and forward to our next time together. Cool. Thanks, Carl. All right. Take care, everybody. We'll see you.